1: Hello, and welcome to the show, uh, Cybersecurity Where You Are. I'm Sean Atkinson, your host today, CISO here at the Center for Internet Security. I'm joined by Matt Everman, Security Operations Manager, someone who I work with on a day-to-day basis. Um, so Matt, could you give us a brief introduction to yourself?
0: Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll start with just um, my background, I guess. Uh, I, I like yeah. to say that my uh, my career has been other duties as assigned. Uh, I started in in help desk and worked my way up to 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 kind of uh, cybersecurity. So I wore a lot of hats in IT, and uh, I've got a lot of interests that kind of are far reaching, and they're kind of expansive within what I would consider IT. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here, and I'm excited to uh, talk about our topic that you picked for the day. So
1: yeah, let's talk about that. So the topic for today is advocacy for the underserved. Very important, I think, in in this day and age, uh, and myself and Matt have obviously had a number of conversations outside of a podcast talking about these different types of things. Um, one of the things I think we should start with, Matt, is defining underserved, because I think both of us may have a different perspective on it, both personally and professionally. So what is your thought on underserved? <laughs>
0: so for me underserved means a a lot of things i guess it also depends on like whether or not you want to specify um your end goal or your end user as a person or as a business or a company or an entity that isn't a person right um because there's there's certainly uh people as well as businesses who struggle monetarily and so to me those would be underserved because maybe they just don't have the money to hire specialists for certain fields Right, and when when you end up in those situations, I would consider you underserved. But beyond that, uh, I also have some background in K through twelve education, so I've seen what it looks like if you if you have a very limited IT budget. Uh, I've also seen what it looks like when you're a student who grew up with a cell phone when your parents did not. Um, I am the last generation I think that grew up without a cell phone in my pocket all through school, and I'm nearly forty. So. Uh, when I was going in through these schools, watching these these kids, uh, the teachers, the librarians, the senior staff, like struggling to navigate those things, I think it fits in there. I think there are um, public lines of business, like when you think about like libraries, right? You, I would consider those you know kind of underserved. So you've got your low income areas that may not have internet, or they have to go to the library to use the internet. Um, you've got the youth, you've got younger people, and then you've got the exact opposite, which is the people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum, the the, the elderly who maybe just got their first cell phone, Uh, maybe just have their first computer, maybe their grandkids come and they only have a computer because their grandkids want to come use it. I've certainly uh, in my personal life, known people like that and assisted them with different, uh, you know, because I work in it. So automatically, can you fix my computer? I'm like, well, that's, that's not really what I do anymore, but I'm sure. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Um, But yeah, so I think there, it can mean a lot of things, but I don't think that that Whichever one we pick in the cases that I've brought up here, I don't think it massively changes the conversation, weirdly. Um, I think there are some baselines that are like good things to know and good ideas and and good um, policies and processes to follow, whether you're a person or a business or a government entity or whatever. So I think we can kind of talk about all of those things,
1: really. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you say, I don't think there's a delineation between the fact that there's a need and like you say, there's kind of a sweet spot of this um, intelligence of utilizing these devices for for all they're worth, right? You know, we can access, you know, a plethora of information. We're always connected. And then outside of that, you've got certain demographics that are like, well, that's magic. And then certain younger generations that are like, I can't wait to get my first cell phone, you know, the, 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 the anticipation of being able to be connected to that all has different elements where it's, um, you'll need a specific element of consideration when trying to really understand and provide guidance. I'll give you an example, Matt, and let's see if that, how this goes, is with the youth, of, you know, who are either getting their first cell phone or have grown up around this, there's less, um, I think, patience required in order to get them up and running. Then, when you go to an older generation that has been, um, and again, you know, uh, not meaning to offend, but has been more mechanical versus, you know, analog versus digital, when they, you know, they see the button, that expect an underlying contraption behind it versus integrated circuit it's a little bit of a different way and a different challenge. And I personally experienced this, you know, uh, Matt had brought it up. You know, when you're in IT, you're kind of the de facto for family and friends in terms of, uh, you know, you're, you're the help desk now. You're a response to, um, you know, I can't switch this on. Something's not working. I can't access this app. You know, fix it. And in some cases, I've seen where it's... Um, and I'll just go back to my elements is patience is where, um, I've not necessarily been the most patient and it's, you have access. So let's say uh, an iPad for uh, my uh, parents, let's say you have access to the iPad. You need to do something on it. You have, you know, click Safari, type in the problem and you can figure it out. And it's like, no, you do it for us, and you know, and it's that element of guidance which I think varies across multiple um, areas here, which I think can be tuned. But in a lot of cases, I think to your point is um, the problems we're talking about. And one of the things I do want to address here is. Um, uh, victimization uh, through cybercrime uh, and uh, things of that nature from what I'm going to consider and kind of put a parenthetical around underserved is the uh, that type of element as well. So what do you think, Matt, uh, in your your perspective?
0: Yeah, it's it's really funny because you and I like to joke that we're constantly on the same page, even if we're not talking about something. And I took a bunch of notes and I, I had told you before we, we started talking, like, I'm going to take a bunch of notes, but I'm not going to share them with you because I, I like... Uh, I, I have a, a history with doing a few podcasts previously, and I I prefer it when it's like conversational. And it's so funny because like you should see my notes, like they're like nailing all these points that you're already bringing up. Um, <laughs> but I do think that like for the people who are listening, maybe um, one of the really key things that I do want to point out as we go along in this conversation, and this may be a side note to kind of what you said, it's that um, you and I are both uh, the sort of people who are in, you know that blanket IT, people want to call it just IT, but what you and I do is very different, but people just go, you're IT, right? Um, People in IT often kind of things come easier to them than they do to other people. And because of the way that I've worked my whole life, right? Like, of course, like using a computer is super easy for me, but guess what? I don't know how to fix a car engine. So like, there's a dude who's a mechanic who he may not be able to use a computer, but he can fix my car. I need him. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like we got to like, right. I think it's really important for this particular conversation that we baseline that like, I want to be very clear just because Sean and I understand something or we know how something works or we're giving guidance does not by any means lessen what you are good at. If you're a person who's listening to this to get guidance, it, but it, it by no means says that those people who are of an older generation, like I said, I'm almost 40, but I've helped people who are in their seventies, you know, use their first computer when I was in K through 12 specifically, that is a vast assortment of people. You you want to think that all teachers are like 20-somethings elementary school-style teachers, but when you start to get like into some of the older generations of teachers, when they first started teaching, they did not have a computer. They're still learning, too. And so early on in my career... I learned that, like, we need to be able to empty our cup, right? We need to be able to talk to these people on a level that they understand, especially when it comes to what we're going to be talking about, which is cybersecurity or specific technology things, right? Um, Because if they don't understand, they're either not going to do it, or if it's overly complicated, they're going to get frustrated. And that's not what we want as cybersecurity professionals. We need to treat them like it is. Like, they are here for a reason because they are better at X, Y, and Z. We are good at X, Y, and Z. Let's meet in the middle let's let's knowledge share let's figure out what you need and and what i can provide now you mentioned the youth which is which is interesting to me because i actually think that like one particular thing that i specifically want to touch on is like what we would call osint like open source intelligence gathering with the youth because they're so excited and that the 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 barrier for entry is so low because they've grown up with technology that they also have really really bad opsec like they just they 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 have zero like they don't know you shouldn't just post pictures of your your house or your mail or your plane ticket or your whatever right because they're it's so ingrained in them they're so used to it that they don't even bat an eyelash so again right like when you're talking really young kids getting their first cell phone like it doesn't matter what it is right like when I worked in the school some kids their first phone was a flip phone it was only to share things i'm talking i'm not talking that long ago i'm talking 10 years ago Right. Like there were smarter phones, but some of these parents just couldn't afford it, which is reasonable. I'd get that. Like you don't want to give your five year old an iPhone. Some people can. And that's cool. That's great. I'm glad if you can. But like my family certainly wouldn't have. (laughs) They wouldn't have been able to afford that when I was a kid. So like, you know, these kids have to like learn the differences between the technology, what's appropriate, what's acceptable. And the Internet is forever, man. That's a really big thing that like I would have got bullied into oblivion when I was a kid. Like I would like, you know what I mean? Like these kids yeah. today, they're constantly connected. So again, when we talk about underserved, right. And we talk about the differences and we talk about what it means. I think that it's a different type brand, I guess, of underserved, but those same rules apply when you get older as when you're younger. I think going into that, like scamming, and we, we, we were having a conversation before we started recording we about guys who do scam baiting. And that's actually something that was on my my list to talk about, which is, you know, people that are are trying to focus in on or zero in on people who maybe aren't as technologically savvy so that they can they can trick them into giving them data they shouldn't have, right? Um, weirdly, and my brain connects these two things, and I, I'm going to bring it up only because of the season it is, misinformation, you know, fake news sites, like all those kinds of things do tie into that a little bit cuz the concept from the bad guy's perspective is very much the same right their job is to get stuff from you, you you they shouldn't have just like you know your job is whatever it is if you're a mechanic your job is to fix cars but you have to use the computer to do it if you know whatever whatever your job is think about the bad guy's job being they need to fool you they need to get your stuff and so that's why this is so important no matter what your tax bracket is or your age is or your income level is or whether you're a company or a person all of this stuff is still going to be valuable
1: Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, again, we get into this, um, we have this parallel mind type thing where we we will, you know, start thinking across the same areas and you're absolutely right. And it it does make a difference and a change with respect to um, generational differences on appropriateness of sharing information to to your point with the, the upset piece. And then as we go into the awareness strategy and I think a big element that, that I want to bring up as well is when we had to shift to kind of this remote COVID hybrid environment, especially in schools, um, you know, we, we had teachers who had to literally become experts, as it were, you know, in the underlying video sharing platforms, because that's the way they had to communicate. There was no choice. And it, it just... Takes things to a different perspective. Now you know you think back and you're like, wow, yeah, we really did make the shift. Think about you know ten years prior to that, without you know Zoom and, and the, the video conferencing type technologies that exist, I don't think we would have been as graceful as we were moving in that space. But in a lot of cases as well, it's where we're into a space where we're oversharing. You know, social networking has enabled us or has required some to. Um, necessarily fall into a place where privacy really starts to blur and it's more about, you know, uh, an online reputation and an online sharing versus it is protecting, you know, necessarily uh, information about yourselves. I I think that goes back to your, the offset comment. And it it really then, you know, you take that particular perspective and you, you, you know, you you go a couple uh, generations down the line, as it were, and there's, well, no, that that's guarded secret. I'm not sharing that information. Why would I want to? Who cares? In a lot of cases, and it's so funny when you see technology and its integration into um, you know youth versus uh, older generations. It, it's um, a completely different and dispersed um, area where. You know, over time, uh, and unfortunately, that'll age out, you know, in the next 50 years, it, it'll be a completely different perspective. Um, again, obviously, we'll be looking at the underlying technologies that we're either having to protect both privacy uh, and from a security perspective. That'll that'll be interesting to see in how that progresses in terms of both awareness and, um, And whether we're just living in the metaverse, right? And we're just avatars and there's nothing else anyway. This is just, you know, we're digitized. uh, We're we're done. Um, And again, some cool sci-fi pieces uh, that we could look at in that space. Um, But I do think it gets down to this is when we're going to look at guidance and we're looking at awareness, we're looking at training, we're looking at um, serving necessarily this underserved, we have to meet the people in their space, as it were, right? We, we have to be able to approach that. And I don't think there's any better approach. And I look at this from business. I look at this from K-12, through 12, public utility, public services, things of that nature, where we see, um, and again, in some cases, maybe it's, uh, we're starting to get desensitized to it, but where we see Um, activities and actions and its actual impact and using that as demonstration, you do not want to be here. Here are the things that you should be aware of. Here are the things that you need to do. And, you know, in a lot of cases, Matt, and and we see this in our industry, is you can be complacent. I can say, it's never going to happen to me. You know, we're small K through 12. No one cares about the data. Absolutely, they do. And that data lives with you forever, right? You know, you get that social security number, you get that name, you get that birth date. Those are going nowhere. And if, and again, if you know you're looking from the red team, the adversary perspective, the quicker I can get that information from you, the longer I can use that information throughout your lifetime, basically, the more potent, the more potential it has to be used. Um, And I think that, um, again, is another awareness piece that we've got to start bringing and we've got to start, um, and I think we have started, you know, CIS and CIS Cares, we'll we'll, we'll be having a podcast on that uh, in the near future, do a lot of outreach. There's a lot of advocates here trying to provide the best practice, but in some cases it's, um, well, I'll listen to the best practice, but I'm not going to implement similar to an organization that hasn't been hit with ransomware. You talk to an organization that has different concepts of security, different profiles that they've implemented, and it's uh, it's unfortunate that you have to wait until that time before you start to take action. And so we want to be proactive, right? As as people, as organizations, uh, I'm really advocating uh, to uh, move that pendulum in, in different directions, as it were. Or uh, that gauge pendulum will just come right back, right? We're going to move the gauge to a point where we can uh, set the tone. What do you think, Matt? So so it's
0: interesting. So when you, when you started talking about uh, guidance, because we, we we again we have show notes, so. I don't know if that's telling too much about how the sausage is made, but like when you when you gave me the topics and we started talking about like what 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 guidance can we offer, right? Um, I started thinking about like was the one thing that I've learned over the last couple of years that really like impacted me both as a a, a person in the IT field and then both uh, and then as somebody who works in cybersecurity, and it was basically like there is no magic bullet, right? I think a lot of times we are fooled into believing that like if you just do this one thing, you're done. And and that's one of the biggest problems with like especially if we're going to like evangelize or be advocates that I think we need to be very clear on, there is no magic bullet, right? Think about long standing, long standing in the in our world, okay. So like we're not talking about millennia here, but like you know think about PCI, right? PCI has made some major changes over the last couple of years because they like it feels a lot like they were unable to keep up, they were falling behind because they had all these like very specific things that they wanted you to do, but companies are implementing their own utilities, their own tools, their own whatever. And basically like the new version of PCI, like lets you build your own, as long as it like meets the guidelines, like do whatever, (laughs) like build your own, uh, you know, layout, build, use your own tools, use your own whatever, right? And I think being, being able to move within that space, once you understand the baseline, that's the best like guidance that I am going to be able to give you. And when I say baseline, I mean, Look at the NIST, like maybe even like 853. It's going to be overkill for your personal life. It might be overkill for your small business, but it's out there. It's freely available. It's going to give you loose guidance, right? Um, And the other piece that I'm going to say, and like, this is going to sound weird because it's it's definitely going to sound like I'm trying to plug our own stuff, but I'm being serious here. Like If you can get into the, uh, the CIS standards and just meet IG1. Just start knocking out like IG1. There are so many great things in there that are going to guide you in the right way. And maybe you're not going to have like, you know, logging or you're not going to have this and that and the other. But if you can meet like 80% of IG1, that's a massive stride forward from where a lot of companies that are bigger than you are, right? Like I'm speaking from experience and I'm not going to go into specifics because I worked for some places that were, I felt like could have been better. Right, and they could have been. They, they they were falling behind either because of budget restrictions or cultural restrictions within the companies themselves, where they didn't want to make changes because well, we have this culture where it's so open, it's so free, and it's like well, yeah, but that's at the detriment of your company, right? And I think that if you can find a NIST, you can find a CIS baseline, um, you can find those things that you're that you're comfortable with, that you're like these are all loose enough that I can I can see where the tools I already have fit into these categories and I can see where we're missing things. That's a, that's a beautiful place to kick it off because then you at least have a punch list for where you're moving forward. Right. Um, another great place to look is like, it sounds crazy, but like use Reddit man. you know, go, go on Reddit, see what other people in your, in your organization are doing. I love Reddit. Like, get, don't get me wrong. There's times when, when Reddit is a hexcape, like, I don't want to even look at it. Believe me, there's some stuff on there that I, I can't stand, but, When it comes to like IT work or getting like, like getting the information that a bunch of like, okay, I like to teach where it's like, here's a mistake I made. Here's how you can avoid that. Right. And I share that knowledge because I don't want anybody else to go through the same problem. And I find that Reddit is a lot of that. Hey, I came up against this problem. What do we do? Oh, I had that last year. Here's how we fixed it. Right. So even if you're talking about like a guideline or a standard you're trying to meet, or let's just say it's driven by something, right? We have HIPAA. Data. What do we do? Right. Uh, we take credit cards. What do, what do we do? Right. Or like, let's, let's take the biggest overview. Like cyber insurance went bananas after everything closed down. Like a lot of cyber insurance companies aren't offering the premiums they used to offer. You have to pay a lot more for a lot less coverage. And they're a lot more strict about what their requirements are. So if you have a C-level that the insurance is important to them because they don't want to lose money or shut down the business, right, but you're a one-man shop, you can sort of use the, the guidance from what the insurance company is going to, like, test you on, right, to kind of start building out your platform or using that as the guidance for your security program.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think, it, uh, and again, uh, you hit on another very, very important point, which is there is a ton of guidance out there. But you know, how do I select? What do I pick? What's right for me? You know, I love your pick, cake one hundred fifty three. Obviously, we've we've had many discussions about that that implementation uh, and the number of controls that exist there. It's funny because in some cases it is um, totally palatable to look at that and say, okay. Where do I start? What you know? Let's look at criticality. Let's look at risk. Let's have a concerted discussion about that. And I think bringing up the cyber insurance is very important because you, you know, you get the questionnaires What? Do you, where is your security posture? What are you doing today that would then help you know guide um, the insurance coverage? And it it gets to a point where. That's good. and But it's then what systems am I looking for? What am I going to do in order to be better? And I think the magic bullet element is one that we've talked about is in cybersecurity, you heard it called the silver bullet, right? This one system is going to fix every problem we have, and it just doesn't exist. And it's not one thing that you do today. It's everything that you do into the future because this is never ending. This is, uh, I, it's a quote that I've heard and I love is cybersecurity uh, is a journey, not a destination. And it's the same thing with this advocacy is I could tell you one thing, but it, you can't just rest on that and just say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna use the same password on multiple sites. Quite okay? done, I'm secure, sorry. That's one piece of advice in a litany that you're going to hear over your lifetime in terms of what's going to be required for you to be protected moving forward. And the reason for that is our threat landscape changes every day. You know, we see thousands upon thousands of vulnerabilities identified a year. Go to or org. I think. We'll put the link in the notes. But you go there, you take a look at how many have been found this year compared to other years, you'll see that's a rising trend in terms of vulnerabilities that are identified every year. And so we, myself, Matt, we can't just rest and say, we've implemented a security control. No, that's going to be audited, monitored. We've got to review that consistently. We have to be externally reviewed to make sure that our approach meets the requirements through the frameworks. We have to be assessed continuously, our own internal penetration testing program externally. What are we doing? What have we missed? What is not part of our current security program? And when we look at the underserved, you've got to think about, you know, what is part of my online profile? Where am I? What am I signing up for? How many accounts do we have? Now, Matt, we'll do an estimate, but I'm thinking, you know, all of my online training, school, um, you know, I've got probably hundreds of passwords that I use to consume products and services across my life, right from um, family to my own personal, to work, to uh, everything else. They, those have to be managed respectfully, and that's growing. You know, as uh, systems come online, as you know, you subscribe for more services, uh, as more things become available, everything's coming through basically a web portal, right? You, you, you know, that's your interfaces. This is how you're going to access. This is how you're going to consume. Is through this and we need your information in order to do that okay respectfully um, what's the privacy policy of those organizations have you read them you know it read the end user license agreement I know that I don't go through them um, you know I maybe do a quick spot check on some where I may think there's some sensitivity but generally what am I doing I'm clicking the box I'm not reading I'm just clicking. Get me the access to the things, This uh, the elements of uh, instant gratification. Just get me to where I need to be so I can consume or I can participate, whatever it happens to be. And we've got to be a little bit more considerate because there are some that do not necessarily have your best interests at heart in terms of the data that you provide, the online usage. And we've got to be aware of that. And, uh, it, you know, it just hits home when you see... Um, that being abused or being used in a way that, you know, that, that, that was never my intention to give that information for a data broker to now take that. And, you know, now my uh, inbox is, you know, five times as full as it used to be. Well, what's the reason for that? Well, there's information sharing. There's people behind the scenes that trade in that data so that I can then reach you with a plethora of other products and services because you've, you know, you're part of this consumerism, as it were, that uh, uh, takes place on you know, and has been volumetrically increased, you know, nearly expon. you know, we'll not use the exact math term, but exponentially in terms of, you know, I don't have to send you something in the mail anymore, right? I don't need that cost. I can just send, uh, you know, a million emails in a second and we're, we're good to go. I, I, you know, I've reached a mass target audience if I need to. And, uh, we've got to understand the impact that we have and that we've, you know, our own responsibility in that space as well. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about. Matt, what else are we thinking about here in terms of, uh, you know, making a difference and and building our own awareness that we have to take a personal responsibility as, as consumers in the space, uh, and obviously then reach out for, for assistance where we need it.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that, um, I never thought about it before. As an IT professional, like it, I've often joked that I think that uh, every person on the planet should have to take like an SEO course. Like everybody should have to understand how search engine optimization works. Because I got to be honest, it if I Google Sean Atkinson is a dragon enough times on the internet, eventually it's just going to give me Sean Atkinson is a dragon that it finds <laughs> on some bizarre website, 36 search results because because the search engine is designed to give you what you're asking for. Right. And I wish people understood that um, nothing on the Internet is free. OK, so like if I like if you take one thing away from this and you pass it on to a family member, specifically an elder family member. OK, because I this is this for some reason seems to disproportionately affect the older generation. Right. Facebook. Facebook is not free. Google. Google is not free. We have to stop assuming those like you pay your bill for your Internet. And you get to access to these services. And so in your brain, it's free. That's not true. To your point, by utilizing these services, you're agreeing that they're going to be allowed to take a certain amount of your data and use it for whatever they want. Because whatever they want is probably outlined in their terms of service that nobody read. So I think one of the big things when you're you're an organization trying to go through this, if you are lucky enough to have a compliance team or a legal team, I think it's super important that you sit down with them and you collectively decide You know, you're going to want to include your C levels, but like if you can collectively decide on like exactly how much of this stuff you're willing to go through, like getting some sort of like vendor assessment program set up, you get a lot of bang for your buck there. Cause like, you know, I remember a couple of years ago they were talking about, you know, should people in us government facilities be using TikTok right? Because TikTok is not created here in the States. The servers don't necessarily reside here in the States. And if you are trying to attract bigger clients based on your business or whatever, right? They they might have agreements in place that say you can't store our data overseas, but if you didn't validate a vendor and they are using cloud storage, it might be shipping off to China. It could be shipping off to who knows where, right? Like you don't know where it's going. And because you don't know, right? You 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 could be Breaching your own contract, right? So I think like when we start talking about like what can we do to get the best bang for our buck, or like uh, let me let me frame it this way: from what we're going from what we're going off now, let me frame it this way. If I could shout from the rooftops, very specific points that everybody had to hear when they were trying to figure out like. What's, what is the best practice? What is the baseline? What is the expectations, right? Like I actually did make a little bit of a list and it's going to be an earful, but I promise it's worth it. I promise. So I'll try to eat up too much time. I talk too much because I get nervous <laughs> and then I talk a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, so obviously the CIS controls IG1. Perfect, right? Like I think that that's a great starting point, especially if you're a business. It may be too much if you're like a person, but if you can manage to make it through it, it's free. You just go on, you give you give it your email address and then you get it. Right. Like if you can get that list, I think it does a good job of like breaking down exactly what it means when it tells you, like you need password management right? what does that mean? Well, to your point, like you've got hundreds of passwords, you got, you should put them somewhere, right? <laughs> they should, they should reside somewhere that's secure. Right. Uh, the, the NIST stuff we talked about, I think that's important, but even and like we touched on this a little bit, OSINT and scam baiting need to be things that I wish people understood, understood, understood scam baiting is kind of the techniques that we talked about a little bit beforehand, where people get on the phone with a with a scammer. You know, these are the guys who do like the, I'm from Microsoft, there's a virus in your computer, you need to let me on kind of scams. And I think probably everybody who's listening to this right now knows at least one person, whether it's a family member or uh, professionally, that has fallen from one of these scams. And it's heartbreaking. And I think that we need to do more. Like I almost wish that like libraries had the throughput to teach courses on these things so that. It was a free course offered to the community like, hey, be aware of this. Um, You know, there are uh, YouTubers, there are Twitch streamers who I think make it funny, but especially like um, uh, there's one uh, scammer payback. He's not only actively wasting their time, but he's helping the victims recoup losses afterwards. Like he has a whole team that's helping him. So it's funny to watch the videos like, haha, he, he wasted this guy's time. But also there's the secondary piece of that that he cares about, which is let's get this person their money back. Like they, they almost got scammed out of a lot of money, right? And and helping people to understand, like if he can get a call list, he will call the people that the scammers were going to call and go, do not answer the phone if this person calls you again. Like they are trying to steal your money. And I think that's so important, like understanding how those frauds work, understanding that once they're on your machine, that they can take over, you know, don't ever open your bank account on a public machine because they could they can modify the HTML and make it look like you sent them funds you didn't and that you owe them money, things like that. Those are very important things to understand. OSINT, which we touched on a little bit. There's a great video. I think it's called the the last hours of pop smoke. It's by TCM Security. He basically goes through. Uh, there was a uh, hip hop artist that uh, was killed, and he basically goes through and shows you from the guy's actual Instagram how he would have tracked this guy down, and how easy it would have been. It's horrifying. It's terrifying. But it's something that I really do wish that, like, maybe without the context of like the murder, because that's a little scary. But like. This is a very serious thing that could happen to you if you don't take your cybersecurity into account when you're making posts. And again, it's just like clicking that box and moving on with the terms of service. Sometimes you're taking pictures of things and and posting. I'm not thinking about it. There was a Japanese idol. A stalker found her because she posted a photo in front of her house. He zoomed in on her eye and used OSINT reverse image searching to find her house address through the reflection in her eyeball, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But if somebody is really out there to get you, I'm going to jump back to what I said at the beginning. It is their job to do this, right? They they are treating this like it's their job. Just like you go to work every day and you do your job. Imagine that the bad guy's job is to be a bad guy. So they take it just as serious as you do when you're at work, right? Another great thing, passwords. Let's we. I really wish everybody took their passwords more seriously than they do right? I think it's very important. Uh, good, good resources, like check out Hive Systems publishes a um, basically it's like a matrix, like how long it would take to crack your password. And I have the matrix up in front of me right now. So if you had a nine character password with letters, no uppercase, lowercase letters and symbols, right? With only nine characters. If they brute forced it, it could take them three weeks versus if you bumped that up one more number of characters to 10, it would take them five years. That's how quickly that gap jumps when you start talking about cybersecurity, and again to me that's low-hanging fruit that's so easy you just you know and people don't want to hear it they get upset because it's their stuff and it's their password i understand but like that's low-hanging fruit that's a space i would look at uh nord passes uh top 200 common passwords that they put out every year it makes me laugh and cry at the same time because you go in there and you start realizing how many people are using like jacob one two three four Like as their password and there's six people right now listening to this going, I have to go change my password now because he just said it (laughs) on the internet, right? Like, you know, looking at those things, looking at have I been pwned, making sure that your accounts aren't breached out there because sometimes people, you know, with your, with your previous statement, when you're talking about how many passwords you have, we're talking about how strong a password has to be. Using a manager is a really smart idea because at the end of the day, if one account gets breached, I use that same password across the board. Everything is breached, right? MFA. Super easy. A lot of companies, Google, Google makes it really easy. They basically send you a message and you go, can we text you? You go, yeah. And <laughs> you're just done. Now, I will tell you, text is not a great idea. Email is not a great idea if you want to do MFA. But if you're just starting out and that's the best you can do, do it, right? Like, please, by all, turn, if you're listening to this and you don't have MFA on everything, and I'm guilty of this too, go right now. As soon as you're done with this episode, finish this episode first, up those numbers. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, right go and and mfa everything right you know you you want to keep yep. up with your threat awareness you want to you want to make sure like especially like right now like october cyber security awareness month cisa government organizations a bunch of vendors a bunch of people are publishing free like guides right now because this month is Cybersecurity awareness month nationally so like, there's a bunch of free guides out there right now. If you're if you if you want to keep yourself secure online, you can use things like Privacy Tools.io. You can check them with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. If you want to know about like, you know, hey, is this legal? Did somebody take my data? Like, they kind of help with like, kind of decrypting the legalese out there when it comes to like, you know, privacy and security. Um, check CISA. Check a lot of the government sites. Right, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. Right, these are all places you can go free go there free, changing your password free, right? Like all this stuff is free F- Free, and I'm, I'm rolling back on what I said earlier. Not everything, everything is not free, but what you're doing is you're, t- you're retaining control. You're taking back control of the things that are the most valuable to you or to your company, right? And all you're doing is changing a password. All you're doing is flicking on MFA. All you're doing is just once a day, go to your favorite tech blog and see what the latest um, breaches look like. See if you're on there. Right. And then I'd say like, start there if you want to start today, but then I, I absolutely agree with you. Like start doing vendor stuff, check in on your vendors, see what the heck they're doing. Cause if those vendors are retaining your data in places you absolutely have not agreed to, that's a huge, huge problem. And you need to address it sooner rather than later, especially with, if you are in the cybersecurity space, you've, you've heard this for the last two years, supply chain attacks. If they can get in and get a backdoor in, and your vendor's just insecure, you're owned, and it wasn't even your fault, right? So that's why v- knowing your vendors, knowing who's providing your email, understanding that they're safe, knowing you know who's providing your secure mail encryption, and knowing that it's safe, knowing who's building your public-facing website in some cases, right? Like if you have just a teenager that you know that's that's running your company's website because he was cheap, you don't know what else. Is happening with that site so you, you need to validate that that's that's you know nobody's going to do it for you you unless it's a bad guy trying to do something they shouldn't be doing you need to validate that and some of this stuff again you can do it for free you can do it cheap you can do it expensive right and our site arguably is a good resource to start with right like like i love our site some people think it's too technical and i get that right but the, but for those people I heard a joke, a, a YouTuber told a joke. He said, he said, YouTuber, like, or as I like to call it, Skillshare for free, right? Which is, you know, because you hear Sk- Skillshare, 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 but like, really, if you go onto YouTube and you just, how do I save my website safe? You're, you're going to find something, right? Do what you can, do what you were capable of, but knowing what you should be looking at Right, checking your passwords, checking MFA, checking your vendors, reading the, the the guidelines that are that are published out there from NIST or from CIS, from ourselves. Right, that is really going to help you. Like when you're you're like, oh my god, where do I start? It's like a, it's like a vortex. I'm getting sucked in the middle. Like, what do I do? I need to ground myself. That's what those are for. Right, NIST is not going to sit there and go, use these five applications to fix everything. Their job is to say, here's if you want to be secure. Here's the things that you need to do, and then it's your responsibility to find the vendor, right? And and you know you, you'll you'll do it. I, I have faith in everybody who's listening to this right now that you can you can hop on Google, you can figure it out. You'll know, use Reddit, use Google, use tech blogs that you trust, right? Like use other people in the industry. If you can get to something like RSA is so expensive, but I will tell you right now, I learned more in the few days I was I was at RSA that I had in the last year of my career. Because the, the, the amount of just like mind changing conversation that I heard with experts from these fields, like if you can get to those things, that is a great way to baseline what you're trying to accomplish, especially if you can go somewhere and do like a round table with other people who are in your line of work. Those, those are un, unmatched, right? And if you can go to ones that are cheap, maybe a local one. Maybe you'll go to something like B-sides, which may be too technical for some people, but it's pretty inexpensive. It's a bunch of nerdy tech guys and gals sitting down and trying to do like a capture the flag, but they're all going to have great opinions and ideas about things, right? Even, you know, if it's accessible to you, something like, you know, Black Hat, it might be some of the bad guys there. So you're going to even care about who you're talking to. But at the same time, like uh, um, a friend of mine went this year and he he was like, yeah, I got a lot of really good advice from people, like products I was going to look at. They're like, no, we got completely decimated using that product. Don't do it. So I would say, you know, use your freely available stuff. Do the basic password MFA stuff. That stuff is all built into everything you're already using, right? Figure out your baselines. Do your vendor assessments, right? That sounds like a lot, but if you can do, like, pick three, pick two, and say for next year, I'm going to meet these two things. I'm going to change everybody's passwords. I'm going to roll out MFA across the board. You're going to be way more secure then than you are now and it's never going to be done, but that's a massive step.
1: Big time. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 again, I'm just, uh, it's fascinating advice. And I think to your point as well, with the online resources, I, I think this is one of the adages I go with, is this, you're not the first problem to experience this issue, right? This has been solved, uh, especially when we talk about some of these basic security Requirements for the underserved some of this advocacy people are already out there advocating you just need to go find them So in some cases, you know, we mentioned it's not free And it's not free, but here's the element is the information that you're provided Has so much value that where the cost comes in is for you to take it and do something with it It's not just listening and saying okay. I'm more aware. No, no, no no. You've got to kind of pass it down the line, right? You've got to pay it forward those in your organization those in your family you've learned something new you're one step closer to being more secure um and to matt's point doing two things the passwords and the multi-factor authentication phenomenal that that's that's you're going to be such in such a better secure posture than you are right now if you've not done that fantastic but it's that's the first steps in this journey, right? You, you've you've not reached your destination. You've got to take more steps, and it's there's your responsibilities to keep walking that path. And you know, Matt mentioned the RSA conference. Um, I believe is in April uh, of uh, uh, 2023. Phenomenal, and there are people that are gathered there to help. They want to be asked questions. People usually in our industry, Matt, I will say, will love talking about this stuff, i.e. why we do the podcast, why we're, you know, we're talking and we do through CIS Cares and other elements. We're out there trying to advocate. And so, but it's asking the right question as well as another element of the cost is you've got to understand your environment. You've got to understand your issues in order to be able to fix them as well. And so, Matt, I think that brings us to a, a great point here. I, again, I think we've, we've got a lot more to talk about this. So I, I let's do this again in terms of more episodes and, and we can extend the thought in this space and maybe focus on some specific industries as well, I think would be excellent in the space. But there is one thing, Matt, uh, again, as you mentioned, I've prepped you with some show notes and I'm bringing back, and, uh, if uh, any regular listeners uh, may have forgotten, the Atkinson 9 It is my uh, quick fire questions, actor studio style. And so, Matt, if you are ready, I will uh, kick off with the question. How about that? Sure, yeah. Perfect. Okay. So, again, remember, this is CIS-centric. So, what is your favorite CIS control?
0: So I, I, I landed on uh, Control 14 Security Awareness and Skill Training, and specifically the first item under there, uh, Establish and Maintain a Security Awareness Program.
1: Perfect. I mean, no better control for this uh, podcast <laughs> could be found. I, I mean, with you, when, so you, fantastic.
0: when you think about it, right? When you start thinking yep. about uh, best bang for your buck, like it doesn't matter how many controls you put in place. If your people don't, if your people aren't safe or secure, right? Yep. It, exactly. It, you, you closed the front door and opened every window in the
1: house. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Question two. What is your least favorite part of your profession?
0: I, I'm going to cheat on this one. Um, so it's two things, right? So first of all, it's, can you fix my computer? Because like, you know, I got out of help desk a long time ago and I still get candy because again, we all fit into the IT, your IT, right? <laughs> uh, and kind of not related to that, but I, I kind of feel like this is something that people forget about a lot. Post incident cleanup a lot of times falls to cybersec. So not only did they like work the issue, but there's also like this, like getting the company back up and running, especially if you wear multiple hats. Like I have previously where you're like the sysad and you're <laughs> the cybersecurity guy uh walking away from an incident and trying to clean up afterwards I, I like working the incident i like being involved i don't like everything that happens afterwards where you're like oh now we have to do all the boring stuff and bring all the files back and do all that stuff like that stuff i don't like doing i want my brain to be engaged i like the uh i like the investigation stuff and the uh, actually the report writing i don't mind either but yeah it's just that cleanup Ugh.
1: yes <laughs> Awesome! Awesome! All right, on to three. Why do you like the cybersecurity industry?
0: Um, so when I was a kid, I wanted to be a police officer. Uh, I wanted to be a police officer because to me they were real life superheroes, right? Like, uh, and the older that I got, I I realized that I was good at computers, right? And I didn't think it was what I wanted to do for a living at first, but I was so like I I was do- working there and going to college for something else. I wanted to, I was going to be an artist. And uh, it just fell through, and I just I gave up. And just went with computers, and now I have found a way to combine that. Like I want to protect people, I want to help people. And if you think about it, like a cybersecurity event in some cases is the worst day of that person's life. Um, I've helped people who've had personal breaches where like ex boyfriends have stolen their 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 bank account or their their Facebook, and they're posting stuff. When I was in K through twelve, I, I helped the police officers who were investigating some pretty heinous stuff. Um, you know, uh, I've watched family members get taken for a ride or, or, you know, credit cards get stolen and used elsewhere. Like I've watched so many things that like, if I can be there to help that person on that day and make it a little easier, I I, want to do that.
1: Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Again, phenomenal work here. So, uh, I'm glad you went with the computer side of things. No question. Okay. What don't you like about the cybersecurity industry?
0: What don't I like about the cybersecurity industry? So, like, all right, a lot of times uh, it's arguments within business sections when you're talking about cybersecurity, right? Like, I think you and I have had conversations about this before. I think every coworker I've ever had and I have had conversations. So I'm not even just going to limit it to you and I. Like, <laughs> when you when you're like, this is a really easy rollout. We should change our our passwords from five characters to ten. And there's always that one person that's rarely mad and it causes like three weeks of fighting with like, you know, maybe sea levels or whoever. And you're just like, please, please just like, I'll be happy to meet you halfway. But it's like beyond that point. Right. So those arguments that stem, especially when it comes out of like company culture, like when it's hidden in that company culture kind of conversation, that's always the hardest ones to have because they fight for them so fiercely. And you can't just get to the point where you're making a compensating control for whatever the change is, or you can get past that thing. And I just... I feel like you're running in place. That's the most frustrating thing about being in cybersecurity is like just trying to roll things out when there's so much resistance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Completely agree. <laughs> uh, okay. Number five, what source of data logging information do you love?
0: So in the interest of not dropping in a the name of a company here, there is a company that you and I both are aware of that I'm trying desperately to get us to leverage here uh, that does um, let's call them honeypots, right? I love looking at the logs from honeypots, especially ones that are like really well-made when you can get those logs. They're like, here's where they came in from. Here's the data. Like you, when you just got them, I love that. There's something so great about just having all that data and then turning around and being like, well, you're blocked forever. Like does I just banned your entire IP address? (laughs) I also know you have, you know, dave and accounting's credentials i'm gonna go make him change those like you know what i mean it's just so great something about like that early detection of getting those kinds of things i just love it and uh you know they're not that bad to parse you get a lot of really quick data that's like you can i can do this now i can knock this out now and feel like a rock star like i just i don't know why
1: i like it i just do that's awesome that is awesome okay number six what's the biggest waste of time in cybersecurity? (laughs) Yeah. So
0: I don't know. I think like trying to convince people to trust you (laughs) sometimes, (laughs) um, having those arguments, right. Like, um, about like, Hey, like, I'm not trying to hack you. I'm not trying to whatever, like, especially if you've done your job, right. And you, you have trained all your people to like, you know, um, to, to follow a procedure right? When it comes to like validating who you are. So that can be frustrating, but I really do think that, um, yeah, I, I think that with the long working hours that we have and with a bunch of the other things, like one of the biggest waste of time is like trying to sit down with somebody who doesn't care, doesn't want to hear it. Or they, they like try to turn your words on you and be like, oh yeah, uh, you told me not to trust anybody who calls me. I'm like, okay, you know, here's, here's an MFA prompt. Here's what it's still not like, and they're just kind of, they, they don't understand what you do they, they kind of talk down to you a little bit. Like, I just, I think that that's, that's one of the biggest wastes of time because you're never going to change that person's opinion. You know, our job right. is to make things easier uh, and more effective, right? Uh, I, I want to roll cybersecurity into your daily duties without you knowing that it's there. I want to protect you. And I want to make sure that, like, if you make a mistake, that we help you stop it. If you send an email out that has a password in it by accident, I want to snag that before it goes out, just let you know it went out. It's not because I want to point at you and laugh, but some people don't feel that way. Uh, so they're very like pressed back against you. Oh, you know, you're trying to get me or like, you know, we well, you to, you know, that just that kind of stuff. I think it's just different attitudes, you know, and you have to work around them. You don't have a choice. Like people are people. Yep.
1: So. Exactly. Number seven, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
0: I'm going to cheat on this one too. Um, <laughs> so uh, I want to be a professional wrestler. And a Twitch streamer. I, I want to be both. Oh, and I have perfect. proof that you can do both because there is a wrestler uh, named uh, Austin Creed. His 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 wrestling name is Xavier Woods, and uh, he is both. He he is a Twitch streamer and a professional wrestler. And so I base I want to be him.
1: Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what profession would you avoid at all costs? Uh, anything math related.
0: I am math stupid. Uh, do not like. Don't don't have me help with your accounts. Don't help me do your taxes. Like, just something about that, like, super narrow scope of like, these numbers have to be exact. Like, I, I'm a guy who needs to, like, I got to be like free thinking, which is why cybersecurity is great for me. Cause you can get, you can just be like, here's seven things we need. I'm like, sick. I can go find those out. But like, if you give me like formulas and numbers, I just like cry. Like, I'm just like in a ball in the corner. I can't do it. I just, I can't. Ever since I was a kid, just math destroys me.
1: <laughs> okay. And then the final question, number nine, at the end of your career, how would you like to be remembered?
0: So I I hope, uh, this is not going to necessarily be true in all cases, but I, I really hope that people, you know, would, would describe me as relatable and understanding and willing to learn. Um, somebody who is like, you know, tell me what your problem is. Tell me why you don't think we can meet this guideline or tell me why you don't think this is safe. And let's talk about it. And let's find a solution that you know, works for both of us. I'm not always going to come in and strong arm somebody into doing what I think is a plus number one thing, right? Like there's going to be cases when we do have to do that, but there's, there's, there's certainly more times that we are working with another person or department to meet something that we think is important. That's going to affect their workload. And I think we need to keep that in check. So I hope people see me as somebody who is willing to do that. And I also hope they see me as always dependable Like if I say I'm going to do something, if I tell you I'm going to work with you on this, that I'm not just saying it to get you out of my hair, that I'm
1: actually going to follow through with it. Definitely. Well, you're right there with me. So that's, uh, again, so great talking with you, Matt. So great working with you. This was a great episode. Um, But we'll call it there for today. Uh, For those listening, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And with that, I'm Sean Atkinson. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website
1: at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.